Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. What's up, everybody? Hope you guys are having an amazing day. Thanks for joining me today. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a regular listener, thank you. Our next guest is somebody that's been part of the prestigious Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, media list in 2019. His company, Barbend, is a fitness and strength sports news site, which has around 1 million views or visitors um, per month and is official media partner of the USA Weightlifting. So his site is all things weightlifting and all things um, CrossFit. So he, he talks about and interviews a lot of amazing people. And as he talks about in the interview, it was a lot of articles before, but now he's getting into more videos. So doing amazing things. He's also a graduate of Harvard. You do, not every day you get to talk to people from Harvard, which is really cool. Um, he then was able to get a job writing for Fortune magazine. He's also been, um, he's also been a contributor for Forbes, as well as, like I said, being part of the Forbes 30 under 30 list, which is amazing. But as always, all entrepreneurs they have their ups and downs, and we had a cool story. We talked about things, talked about you know health and nutrition, but we also talked about how focus is important and how some of the struggles that he's had and what it was like to go to Harvard, a bunch of good stuff. Um, he's a really, uh, he's an awesome dude and I really liked connecting with him and I think you guys will have a lot of fun with this episode. So we don't go too deep emotionally like we do sometimes, but we, we did have a great conversation and it's always awesome to connect with somebody that's killing it in the entrepreneurial world and has a lesson to teach. So he's also got a podcast called Barben Podcast where he interviews all of the, the best people in this space, CrossFit, weightlifting, all that. I'm not sure if I mentioned that to you guys, but anyways, check out Barbend. Check out his website, check out his podcast. You'll learn a lot from this guy. Um, and yeah, I'm uh, really, really excited to have David Tao join us today and uh, we'll get right into it. Enjoy everybody. David, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a lovely day when we're recording, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. So you got quite the, uh, quite the resume there of cool stuff that you've been up to. Um, and, you know, with Barbend and, you know, all this stuff with powerlifting, and I was listening to your podcast, awesome as well. Before we unpack all that, let's, let's give the listeners that want a little bit more than my intro that I give you a little bit of insight behind the curtain and take us back a little bit and maybe like show us how you got to where you are today a little bit. Yeah, certainly. I will say I'll probably steal your intro and just use that to introduce myself uh, moving forward. It's a much better elevator pitch, I'm sure, than one I could put together. Um, my name is David. Uh, my background, I was born and raised in Kentucky, central Kentucky, very rural area, and uh, ended up going to uh, college in the Boston area and got involved, played, played rugby there, also got involved in weightlifting, which is actually something I used to rehab from a, uh, from a knee injury, and that really sparked my love of strength training and strength sports, and I got really interested in weightlifting, specifically Olympic weightlifting, at a time when it wasn't super popular in the United States. It was kind of this like obscure little side sport. It was bigger in you know, Russia and China. And then 
I graduated college. I entered the journalism field. My first job, I was writing for uh, Fortune magazine, actually. And then suddenly, this thing called CrossFit happens, and strength sports and lifting weights and all this stuff starts going really mainstream, right? Yeah. So people know what a snatch is, a clean and jerk is, a bench press. They know the difference between them. And suddenly, there are a lot more opportunities in fitness content. And so I had some opportunities to get involved in fitness content early on. And I was the first editorial director at a site called Greatest, G-R-E-A-T-I-S-T, um, which is more of a generalist health and fitness site. And um, from, then, all, from there, I also did some consulting and some writing for CrossFit HQ, and the CrossFit Games were kind of getting off the ground. Yeah. And was fortunate enough to be able to own and operate a gym, uh, co-own and operate a gym for a period of time, uh, worked as a consultant in marketing for fitness uh, and brands doing fitness like Samsung and, and cool places like that. Traveled around a lot. I was in Miami and Washington, D.C. and California looking at different gym spaces and working with people to figure out how to market their fitness concept and what to bring to market, how technology can integrate with fitness. Uh, and at the time, I was active in weightlifting and CrossFit um, personally. So it, it kind of went from this very traditional business journalism background, right? You get the, the gig writing for Fortune right out of college yeah. to being in the content space specifically around fitness, which was kind of a dream because it was combining the career I wanted with the passion I had. And I was really fortunate to be doing it at a time when everything was kind of on the up and up, right? Like CrossFit was just like, where's the ceiling on this? It's becoming yeah. so popular. And then uh, about three and a half years ago, I was connected with, uh, and we were, I was doing some consulting work for a university and I was connected with my current business partners and the co-founders of my co-founders at Barbend. And we basically identified a need for a central hub for all the strength sports. So if you're into CrossFit, but you're also interested in powerlifting and weightlifting and stuff like that, where can you go for that information, news, analysis, tips, video, podcasts? Um, and that's how Barbed started in early 2016. So we've grown the team since. It was just a, a few guys on a blog for a while. Uh, now we have a really, really talented team um, and uh, producing a lot of written video, audio content. And that's the really long-winded spiel. I hope you're still with me. Yeah, that's, it's awesome when you get to hear somebody that's sort of been able to kind of pull their passions all into the same sort of thing. I mean, that's kind of the way the world is now. Like you can do that, right? Like you, you, you can kind of have these, these things and what you've done is kind of made that your, you know, your thing. It's, I, I want to say that you, you can definitely do it. And there are people who go about it in such creative ways. Yeah. And they're so smart about it. I got really lucky. Okay. I like my timing couldn't have been better to be somewhat knowledgeable about weightlifting and to kind of be in that community right before or right as CrossFit was really skyrocketing rocketing it to the public consciousness. Like my timing was great to be able to be connected with CrossFit at a time when they were very actively looking for writers and reporters and people to help them with content. Um, it's it's a, an example of like right place, right time, or right passion, right time. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course you're being modest though. I mean, let's be honest. That's so let's, I, 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 you know what I love about this is that, um, you know, I was a hockey player. I played junior hockey. So I got introduced to powerlifting right at the end of my career. So this would have been like, you know, early, early two thousands. Like I started doing it probably 99, 2000. So it was still that real foreign that it wasn't, it wasn't trendy. And 
you know what I mean? Like the doing the, the clean and jerk and learning that stuff. Not only was it super hard at to mastering it, but I hated it at the time. Cause it was, it was, it was really tough to get them right. Cause you can really like, you know, if you do it wrong, you can hurt yourself as well. Yeah. It's they're difficult movements and most people get exposed to strength training because they're playing like a team sport, right? Yeah. Or you're running track or you're playing hockey. It's funny, our fitness editor here at Barbend, Jake Boley, he got his start as a hockey player yeah. in St. Louis. So that's how he found strength training. Um, in our office earlier today, we had Jordan Shallow, who's known as the muscle doc online and has a big online following um, for rehab and prehab exercises. He's also a world-renowned powerlifter. He got his start in hockey and he found that he enjoyed, he told me he started skipping hockey practice when he was in high school to go do the strength and conditioning yeah. that the hockey coaches were giving him. So a lot of people, especially in the early 2000s and before that, were finding these exercises and these sports as means to an end. So they were lifts that you would do to get better at hockey or football or baseball or basketball, you name it. Yeah. And, you know, it was always the weirdos who were like, well, I like the lifts and I like lifting more than I like playing the sport. And those weirdos, quote unquote, kind of gravitated to these obscure sports, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman. What the heck is that, right? Yeah, yeah. And CrossFit, it's not just CrossFit. It's also the proliferation of social media and online resources. But CrossFit was such a huge catalyst yeah. in, in, people, in telling people, hey, you like working out and you like getting stronger just for the sake of getting stronger. So why don't you just do that and maybe do that competitively? Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And it, what an evolution CrossFit has had, man. Like it's crazy. Like I remember right in the beginning, you know, and um, just, just watching it. And now it's, it's insane, man. Like, like it's, it's literally like I can, I, I watch Aaron Fraser. That's his name, right? Aaron Fraser, right? Matt, Matt Fraser. Matt, Fra sorry, Matt, Matt Fraser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know another Aaron Fraser. Yeah, man. I watched him and that guy is just a beast. Like it's, it's funny. He got his start. He was a he was a youth and junior Olympic lifter. He competed internationally. Yeah. As a, just a weightlifter, just the snatch and the clean and jerk. And he found CrossFit as because he was looking for a place to train the snatch and the clean and jerk. Yeah. And when he was a little bit older, and he just like you know, they they saw he was strong. And he had some coaches who were like, "Hey man, why don't you try this CrossFit thing? Why don't you do a little bit of conditioning in addition to your weightlifting?" He was like, "Man, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure." I'm not really, I'm not really into the whole like conditioning or cardio thing. And now years later, he's the four time in a row fittest man on earth. And it's just this ridiculous athlete. And even five years ago, what we thought was possible for CrossFit athletes, like they've just blasted through those boards. Yeah. I mean, Tia Claire Toomey is a three time defending women's champ at the yeah. CrossFit games. She was an Olympian she's in 2016. Yeah. She was an Olympian in weightlifting. So she's at the top of two sports at once. Yeah. Like, come on. It's nuts. What? So we're, you went to Harvard, right? I did. How is let's, let's talk about, let's talk about that, man, because I'm sure you talk about CrossFit all the time, right? You know, and you were like, what was your process through that? And how different is the outcome of what you thought you were going to, when you signed up for that? So I, I kind of applied to Harvard, not, not really expecting to get in, as I think a lot of people don't. I mean, I was I was very fortunate. I went to a very good school in the South, but I'm from the South, and I, yeah. I never knew anyone who went to Harvard. I don't think I knew anyone. I think I may have met one person when I was like when I was young who went to an Ivy League school, but I'd never been to New England 
Like I had never, you know, when I was in high school, I was starting to look at colleges. I was like, I'd never been to Massachusetts. I didn't, I didn't actually, I don't think I realized like Harvard was in Massachusetts and Columbia was in New York and Yale was, I don't even know where Yale is. I'm kidding. That's a, that's a New Haven joke. Um, but like, I just didn't know, like I just wasn't aware of those, that universe is something you see in like a movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I applied, I had some, some, I, uh, I visited the summer before my uh, senior year. I was like, oh, we, I kind of want to go to New England. So my family, we took a trip up there and we used that to like, I'd never been to New York City, I'd never been to Boston. So we explored those and we looked at these colleges and I applied and I, I got in, which was awesome, but unexpected. But it was this moment where I was like, oh, now what? I, I've never lived that far north. Like, I don't know if I can understand people with a Boston accent. I just, you know, what are all these stereotypes? I don't come from like this rich family that wears tweed all the time. And, yeah. you know, has servants, like, I don't know. Um, and my college experience ended up being very different than all those stereotypes. And I think that's because if you go to a lot of colleges today, whether they're public or private, and they're big enough, you can kind of find, you will find whatever path that feels good. And you will interact with people that feel right for you. Yeah. So you can go to this really old school and like, be at Harvard, they have what are called like finals clubs and you can be kind of hoity-toity about it. And that's cool if you want to do that, right? Or you can, you know, have a more general college experience and drink a lot of beer and play a lot of beer pong uh, and play rugby and like do all this stuff. And that was more my college experience. Um, right. So, you know, I think it was, I don't know what I was expecting going, leaving Harvard. I don't know if I was expecting a certain career when I left. But going in, I think I was expecting something that was a little bit more like refined, hoity-toity, like what you might see in a in an old movie where they're all wearing like tweed jackets or something. Yeah. And it very much wasn't that. It's crazy how the perspectives we get all come from movies, you know? Like <laughs> it's hilarious. That's the only reason, that's the only thing I think about. I think about, you know, seeing a movie about Harvard or like Mark Zuckerberg. What year did you go there? Were you there around that time? Or that I, I did not overlap with Mark Zuckerberg or any of the Facebook founders. <laughs> but, but I will say, I was, I think it was my senior year. Uh, it was my senior year that the social network came out. Okay, was, that's, that's cool. So I was at school when the social network came out. And really, the cool thing about the social network was, uh, and it was like a big deal. Everyone on campus was like, wow, it's yeah. going to be, you know, Harvard. And the, the thing that was funny was, they didn't film most of it at Harvard. They filmed like a few outside shots of like the gates, but Harvard doesn't allow movies to be filmed on campus anymore because like back in the seventies, they filmed, supposedly they filmed this movie called Love Story at Harvard and it like ruined the campus and they like trampled all the grass. And so like, oh. so they filmed it at I think Johns Hopkins. So I just remember, I've only seen it once. I don't really remember much of the plot. I just remember thinking like, well, that building's not there. That's not right. That building's Photoshopped in. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an interesting, definitely an interesting time because I, I came right after like the Facebook founders, like Zuckerberg and all those other folks were there. And uh, it set some weird expectations. I think a lot of people who were in my class at Harvard thought they, they were going to drop out and start the next, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar company. And uh, uh, some actually did. The, the, the guys who founded Stripe, I didn't actually know in college, but they dropped out. They were there when I was there. And they dropped out and founded a you know, like $25 billion company now. So it wasn't my experience, but I guess some people did it. Yeah. And it's that pressure too of the college, you know, and you hear nowadays, you know, 
you know, you got Gary V like, don't go there if you don't want to go. And there's so many perspectives about college and it's so tough, especially at, you know, when you're, you're, you're still a kid when you, most of the time you go into these schools, you know, like 18, 19 or whatever, however age. And you don't even know, you don't even know how to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, like what's your, what, what was your biggest struggle in that process about under like, even being like, do I want to do this? Do I like, is this what, cause back when we were, how old are you now? I, I just turned 30. So, okay. Okay. So you're, I'm 36. So I'm a little bit older. So you, there must've still been that talk about, should I go to school? Because when I was, when I was at that age, it was like, it's essential or you go get a trade or something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, no, there's this entrepreneur stuff happening. It was very much. So I, I went to boarding school for high school. Um, so okay. I grew up in a small town in Kentucky and I, I wanted to go to boarding school because I, I felt like I, there wasn't like much for me in my little small town. It was a great place to grow up, but I was like, I want more. So I went to boarding school. So I was, I was used to living away from home, okay. which was good. So I was kind of, I, I was like comfortable being away from Bardstown, Kentucky, where I grew up. And I was comfortable kind of being on my own, or at least I, I thought I was. When you're in high school, you don't know up from down. Yeah. Um, and I came from a family, so my, my mother who raised me, she's a, she's a physician. So she it was, was very well educated. And, and spoiler alert, I don't have a graduate degree, so I'm much less educated than she is, and she reminds me of that a lot. Um, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only kind of kidding. She still is like, are you gonna go back to grad school? Eh, I think that should be sale. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, but what she, what she expressed, and I actually think it was beneficial, because she told me, she's like, you should go to college, but it wasn't like you go to college and then you do this specific thing after. It wasn't like you go to college and you get the specific degree and you do this specific thing. The way she put it was like, you go to college, and she, I think she expected me to go to grad school after, but you go to college and you make lifelong friends and you improve your quality of life because you're going to be able to take classes and have access to resources and learn things you're never, ever going to have access to again. Like I took a class as an undergrad called, you ready for it? Dinosaurs. The class was called Dinosaurs, wow. and we got full access to the Harvard Museum's fossil collection. Wow. Where it had, like, authentic T-Rex skulls and, like, Archaeopteryx and, like, this stuff that's, like, you know, it's in museums, and we could just, yeah. like, they would, like, roll it into the lab. I'm like, that's a real, that's a real fossil. That's, that's what? amazing. And you realize these big institutions, they give you access to these resources and they can spark these interests that you're never going to be able to nurture anywhere else. Because like, you can't just as an adult, you know, as a 30 year old, I can't just like walk into the Natural History Museum in New York and be like, hey, can you let me back in your fossil lab? I'd love to like poke around and like get up up, up close and personal just privately with your collection. Yeah, it doesn't, unless you like donate a wing, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, So I think for me, I always wanted to go to school because I I wanted to see like, okay, I can experiment with this and I can experiment with this. And the the downside of that was minimal because like you take a class and you don't like it. Okay, cool. I'm not interested in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to kind of get, because you don't know unless you know, right? And to try the more stuff you try, the more you're going to know because sometimes trying those different things may open up doors that you actually didn't realize were even going to open, right? A hundred percent. I got really interested in immigration policy when I was in college and I wrote an undergrad thesis on it and something I'm still very interested in today. And I only got interested in it because I was on a rugby tour with the, with the Harvard rugby team. And it was like my first or, might be my first or maybe it was my second time in Europe. 
And I started noting, I was just very curious about like migration patterns. And it's just this weird thing from a, like a, a rugby trip where I was honestly drinking a lot <laughs> and not paying my any I was just basically there to party. Um, and it really sparked an, an interest in immigration policy, and I ended up getting funding to go do my thesis and study immigration policy in Europe. And now I kind of have a lifelong interest in that. It's not what I do professionally, but it's something I, I find myself truly interested in and passionate about. And that never would have happened without the wide spectrum of things that an undergraduate experience, at least in my case, exposed me to. Not necessarily right for everyone. If you are passionate and you know what you want to do in life, before you go into college. Sometimes college isn't the best thing. If you're passionate about a trade, or you're passionate about becoming an entrepreneur, or you're passionate about this like very specific thing and you know that you're calling, I'm not sure an undergraduate degree or, or education's right for everyone. I just had no idea, and so I think it was right for me. How does somebody figure that out, man? Like how, for the young, for the, for the young listeners out there, or even people who are still figuring it out, do you have any tips? I mean, you, you've done some awesome things. Forbes 30 under 30, like that's amazing. Like, I mean, you've, you've done well, you went to a great school, but you obviously, you know, are there times where you're, you still, there's other things that you want to do, or is this kind of the path that you're, you're loving? And how did you discover that? Like, how can others discover that? Well, I think I'm, we're all in a process of discovery. If you talk to any of my friends or my girlfriend or the people I work with, they'll tell you that I always want to like try new things. So I, um, I have an interest in voiceover acting. So I'm a voiceover actor on the side. I've done some like animated movies and commercials and things, um, fiction podcasts. I really love comic books and I have a lifelong dream of writing my own comic book series. Awesome. Something that I like really need to find the motivation to kind of just do. Um, so I'm definitely a person, I have tons and tons of passions outside of, you know, Barbend. Barbend was in many ways me trying to turn a passion into a career, and I'm super thankful for that opportunity. But you, I think there are people in life who just are not necessarily super satisfied with, like, anything. Yeah. And I can get crippled by that sometimes. So as much as, like, I, uh, I made the Forbes 30 under 30 list, which was such an honor, um, and I'm, I'm super thankful uh, but at the same time, I found myself reading the list and just being like, oh, these other people, look at what these other people are doing. Like, why haven't I done that? Like, oh my, like, like, just, oh my, I'm such a, I'm so far behind and I'm on the same list as them. And they're just kind of inspiring me because to think my first reaction was seeing these lists, just being like, I got to try all these new things. I got to try what they're doing. I got to, you know, I got to see if, if maybe I'm good at that. And that's just kind of my personality. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, feel that at the same time, I don't think all entrepreneurs feel that. I think some entrepreneurs get hyper focused on their passions and have a lot of success and just build companies around those hyper focused passions. I'm not one of those people. I have a lot of different interests, and if anything, I find myself getting decision fatigue as far as how I want to spend any extra energy or time I might have. So, what are some things that you do to get you in the zone or to set you up for the day? You know, like. Obviously, there's morning routines, but is there any non-negotiables that you're like, man, this is this is this has to be done for me to set myself up? Yeah, coffee. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not I'm not even I'm not even joking. Uh, yeah, um, for for better or for worse, caffeine dependency. Um, I I really try and I really value human interaction. I love talking to people, and I love 
Uh, I love talking to people, especially in person. And so I really try and be fully present and available for anyone in our office to come approach me in person. So when I'm in the office, I am in like a mode because I'm interacting with in, in person and talking face to face with people all throughout the day, whether it's them coming to me for editorial guidance or um, I'm, I'm on camera a lot these days, I'm recording podcasts or we're having editorial meetings or we're talking business strategy, any number of things. So for me, a, a good sign is like, as soon as I walk into our office, I know I'm on and I need to be available face to face. And that keeps me, that keeps me focused, knowing that anyone can, and there are times when I'm like, hey, I'm writing this or I'm recording this, like I need to be in this, in this sound booth or something like that. And you know, folks aren't like tapping on the glass, bothering me about that. But um, when I know that someone could approach me and they need my guidance or input to do better at their jobs, then I know it's my responsibility to be available because I am here to help them succeed and to help them do really good work, right? They're not here to help me necessarily do my best work. I'm just kind of providing resources or trying to be a resource to them. Once your team gets big enough, you're a resource to your team, not vice versa. At least that's the way we've basically tried to structure things and that's the way a lot of editorial systems work. Can you walk us through Bar Bend a little bit, man? Like just to kind of give us more of an idea of what it is, because it's super interesting stuff, man. Thank you. Um, Barbend is a resource for all things strength training and strength sports. So, uh, that, and that kind of means two different things, right? That means yeah. if you're a competitor in like CrossFit, weightlifting, powerlifting, or strongman, we have news, analysis, tips from the pros, things to help you up your game. But the other type of content that we're really focusing in on more heavily than we used to right now, and this is kind of like Barbend 2.0 in many ways, is we also produce that first type of content. But in addition, if you are interested in just strength training in general, and maybe you're not the most hardcore, maybe you're relatively new to the gym and you're just looking for something to do, we want to provide that content to make strength training more accessible to a broader audience as well. And to do both of those things, uh, our core is written content, that's what we started with, but now we've also, over the past eight to nine months, been in, uh, investing very heavily in video, over the past three to four months very heavily in podcasting and some other visual assets as well. So we're really trying to become a cross-platform media brand for all things strength and strength training. And that's all centered around barbend.com. You can like find yeah. all that stuff at barbend.com. What's your, what about the nutrition change that's happened, bro, in the last how many years? Like, you know, you got, I used to be told load up on the carbs and then, you know, the lasagnas, the pastas, and I always wondered why I felt like shit. And then you get into the paleo, then the low carb, now the keto, now the carnivore. Like, talk us through your guys' process of how you guys deal with all this shit because it's crazy. One, like, do you have a lot of nutritional advice on there? Do you just have different perspectives? Because I've talked to so many people about this too, and it's, it's mind-blowing where, where this is taking us. It's funny. I was talking a little bit about this this morning with the guests we had coming into the office. There's no magic bullet in nutrition. Yeah, And nutrition is deceptively simple, I think. It comes down to macronutrients, micronutrients, and, and how many of each, yeah. right? Like chemistry is chemistry. Yeah, And there's, there, there's, there's not necessarily a magic bullet. People will choose diets that they like, and they will gravitate toward diets that they like. Like I am a firm believer that if someone is eating keto and they're sticking with it, it, it is at least in large part because they like high-fat foods 
and they just prefer those over a lot of carbohydrates, right? Yeah. And not necessarily because keto is the only way to reach these certain goals. I think that diets have a little bit more flexibility than a lot yeah. of people give them credit for. And I think a lot, I think there are different eating patterns, barring like, you know, uh, food sense of actual food sensitivities and allergies. I think there are a lot of different eating patterns that will work um, for people. So we write about a lot of different nutritional elements on Barbend very much under the, like the, with the perspective that there is no magic bullet. There's some stuff that science has pretty conclusively said, and there's some stuff where it's like, eh, probably not. And we're going to write about the range of dietary, uh, of dietary science and dietary trends, but we're also not going to do our best to not sensationalize anything. Mm -hmm. And to not claim that paleo is going to work for every athlete, but you know, flexible dieting and macro counting isn't or something like that. We're not trying to weigh them necessarily against each other, but if people are looking to get stronger and use nutritional advice and guidance to achieve their goals, we're going to try and provide them the information that they need to at least contextualize that. It's very difficult. And I will say nutritional content, writing good nutritional content in this space is maybe the hardest thing we do. Yeah. Yeah, it's because everybody's different, right? Like, and a lot of times it's, it's, it, you're right. It's become more complicated. Like eat less bad shit that, you know, eat, take out a lot of the stuff, first of all, right? A lot, of, a lot of times people wonder why they feel like shit, but then you ask them what they're eating. You're like, well, I mean, what do you think's going to happen? And, and then, and I, think, I think one of the biggest problems is that people, people like, <clears throat> They'll go keto. And I'm not saying this is not to not to not to hate on the keto diet. It, it works for some people, and like you know, some people just enjoy eating that way and they respond yeah. well. Um, I think probably it, it's a little bit of a fad, but at the same time, like you know, I'm sure there are people who have benefited from it. But at the same time, the reason I think people lose weight, a lot of people start keto and they'll immediately lose weight, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's because of the keto diet. It's because I've changed the composition of my macronutrients." Most people, when they start the keto diet, the first thing they cut out most of their carbohydrates and they end up eating a lot fewer calories and they go into a caloric deficit and they lose weight yeah. that way. And they're like, no, I'm still eating a lot. Well, it's like if you actually tracked your calories when you switch to the keto diet and you cut out carbs, carbs are like a really tasty way to get a lot of calories. And it's really easy to eat a lot of calories very quickly when you eat a lot of carbs, yeah. pasta, cereal, bread, right? Nice. Like, you can just sit down and eat a whole tub of mac and cheese. And it's, it's, yeah. it's easy. It goes down super quick. And it's often because this is just one example. Yeah. If, if they actually track their macros, they'd see they're just eating significantly fewer calories enough to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. It's not because they've necessarily replaced one macronutrient with another. They're just eating less without maybe realizing it. I think that's sometimes the case when people switch diets, they see really quick results and maybe not the results they want long-term because they tend to like regress to the mean and then start eating more or, you know, wavering off of that diet. And I think often if you just end up really dialing in and focusing and counting your macronutrients, you can learn a lot and you'll often be very surprised at what you see because we're really bad about being objective about our own diets unless we are tracking the numbers. So what, do you, what would you say is the, the best diet that you see from your eyes in, because you're dealing with a lot of powerlifting, you're dealing CrossFit. Would you say, would you, what would you say, like paleo style or 
Like, what would you say, would you recommend to somebody if they had to say like, what's your favorite? So what I will say is different sports and different types of athletes do have different nutritional requirements. And we do work in a lot of sports that have weight classes, right? So you yeah. have to like maintain strength or build strength at a certain weight, gaining weight, losing weight, maintaining weight. There are actually a lot of, there are quite a bit of, there are quite a few variables, right? Yeah. Um, there are some differences between um, body type, body composition, between men and women. Um, there are some, like some people have food sensitivities, so certain yeah. macronutrients are not as accessible to them, the micronutrients as well. Like there, there are a lot of variables, but generally, if you track your calories and you track your macronutrients, or so I, I will, I'll backtrack. I'll say if you're not reaching your physical goals, and you start track, and then you start tracking your macronutrients and your calories, you're probably going to find out why fairly quickly. Mm, okay. And I think that when people clean up their diets or start eating clean. They're just actually eating a lot less is what happens. I just, I find this so fascinating because I had, I had Dr. Paul Saladino, who's like one of the mass, the big carnivore diet movement doctors right now. And he's eating nose to tail, like eating organs and just animal. It was, is fascinating because it's, he's got so much science behind it that it's like, how do I ignore this? How do I not? Oh, I, right. It's, it's I wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore that at all. And I'm, yeah. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to argue sure. my science is better. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, Absolutely. I'm not saying yeah, he's like in the thick of, there are a lot of smart people who are eating like that yeah. and they're coming at it from a very research backed perspective. Yeah. Um, and what I'll say is they're not, I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying they're wrong no. at all. You know what I mean? There are a lot of different, what I'm saying is, and this is like the really the crappy answer because everyone gets bad when you get this. There are yeah. a lot of different, there are a lot of different ways to eat. Of course, man. And a few different ones, they, and they, a few different yeah. ones probably work. That's that's why I love because like everyone's perspective is different. And everybody reacts different, and it's, there's not one type. And that's why I love asking someone like yourself who's around it. And yeah, by no means I I, I know, and and it's you're not saying others are wrong. It's just a matter of like there's a lot of ways to eat, and sometimes it's no, like I enjoy eating carbs sometimes. Like food has to be enjoyable too. Like I don't always enjoy eating just meat. I've tried it. I enjoy it. I feel, I feel good, but a lot of it's just because I'm eliminating stuff. Yeah. Someone once, someone once told me, and this really stuck with me and I have apologies. I'm going to, I'm going to curse a little bit. That's I hope right. it's okay. On this, yeah, on this I, podcast, I'm swearing all day. Don't worry. I hope it's PG 13. <laughs> the best diet is probably one that doesn't turn you into an asshole. Yeah. Is what someone once told me. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, man. Of course. It's become this thing. It's almost like become this like religion thing, like the them versus us. Like it's, it's crazy. And some people get a lot out of that. Again, I was talking to someone this morning. It's so crazy. You bring this up. Who said that a lot of dieting is about community because you want to have things in common with people and you want to connect with people. And whether you do that through like how you work out or through how you're eat, you eat, they're both valid. Yeah. They're both valid ways to build community. And that's often the best part, right? So it's yeah. like, oftentimes it's not that people are like fundamentally right or wrong. It's just, you're like, well, I kind of like these guys and I kind of want to like hang out with them. And if I eat like they do, that'll be a lot easier. Yeah, it goes back to our tribal instincts, you know, that we've had for so many years. We all love tribes and groups, you know, and, and, and it's really what we're craving. Like it's 
We, we want to surround ourselves with people who just go, yeah, what you're doing, that's the way to do it, which, which is why I like strength sports in, in, in the first place. I'll admit that because yeah, it's like, I like, I like, I found out I like lifting weights and I liked it a lot more than like playing team sports. Then I found some other people who really liked that. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm just going to spend all my time around them because they're, they're buttering me up and telling me like what I want to hear. And I'm going to tell them the same darn thing. Like, yeah, we like that. We like that positive reinforcement. And I think a level that like, it's okay to seek that out. Yeah. That's very human. Now there are times when that can be a, a, a detriment, right? And every yeah. community has, it has upsides, has downsides, every single community. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on like some weird amorphous moral high ground and say like don't build your tribe don't yeah. don't don't befriend people who do the same stuff as you exactly like, of course you're, we're gonna go do that I I love that about humans you know I I love that because we do that in so many different things we get together you know the Olympics or like a a team sport we get behind these like these things and it's 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 really funny because when you break it down I mean that's really what it is. It's this we, are, crave. we crave that, that group, that tribal sort of instinct. Humans are better than any other organism we've ever discovered. And we're biased, of course. <laughs> we're better than any other organism we've ever discovered or encountered at finding ways to, at like manufacturing ways to build tribes or manufacturing things to build tribes about. It's like political borders. We just invented those. Those like didn't exist. Languages, like those didn't, you know, those had to develop. Now, I don't want to get to like the, yeah. the basic theories of language. I don't know enough about that. Yeah. Um, but like diets and types of exercise and movies we like and, you know, chat groups and, and all this stuff. These are just like artificial human created tribes because we like making that up. We like just yeah. pulling those out of thin air and saying we're different. My group's different and it's special. Here's why. Yeah. And we get bored. People get bored. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Oh, man, I could go down a, a big rabbit hole with that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny when we talk about it like that. So, of your journey so far, man, like you've done, you've done a lot of cool things and you still are doing cool things. What's been one of your biggest struggles that you've faced personally as far as it could – yeah, I mean – with with what you've accomplished so far without getting too complicated with the question <laughs> yeah I, I i i'll give a hopefully give a simple answer i think it goes back to the fact that i am someone who very easily develops interests and staying focused and not getting completely crippled by fomo because i'm not pursuing uh, a passion in, in you know a different avenue that's a big challenge for me and it, it it's something that where I, I can like track points in my career where I'm like, I spent time obsessing over the fact that I wasn't doing something in this industry and it hurt my work in what I really needed to focus on. And that's probably my biggest struggle throughout my professional life and will probably continue to be. Mm. Yeah. So you, you meaning you want to, there's so many things that you want to try, but you're not putting as much focus into that thing. Is and, that and, yeah, and the fact that I feel like I'm missing out on those other uh, yeah. things de- depletes yeah. me. Like it, like it drains emotional energy, and it makes me feel bad about yeah. myself, right? And then if you feel bad about yourself, you're not going to be as good as you can be at anything. 
Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of people do that, especially being on social media and being connected and seeing so many different things happening. It's like, well, they're doing that. Why am I not doing that? Or, or that's happening or that business is doing this or that social media thing is that and it's like, well, why am I not doing that? I mean, you just, I noticed, I noticed right before this recording, you followed me on Instagram and I'm not like super, super active on Instagram and personally, but you have a ton of followers. And now I'm like, well, I gotta see what this guy's doing. And I'm like, I'll look, I'll look at all your, your, your sweet photos and like, uh, and, and you photograph super well, they say. Um, so I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, wow, like I got to travel where this guy's traveling and I got to, you know, do this. And, um, it, it's, it's just kind of in my, I think it's a human nature, but I think it's something that, you know, some of us experience a little more frequently, a little more acutely than others. And it's not, it's not a good thing overall. We have to find, we have to find it. Yeah. Well, I have that problem too, man. Like it's been really hard for me to focus on one thing and do that one thing. It's, it's a skill, man. Like, I mean, you've obviously been able to do it and you've done it well, but you know, obviously that's a challenge for all of us. I mean, so what are, what are some things that you do to kind of get your focus back? Like, how do you stay focused? Yeah. I mean, like I said, being in the office, I, I don't, I don't travel as much as I used to at all because being physically present in an office environment with the team around Barbend and they're very, they're truly good at what they do and they're truly passionate. Like yeah. that keeps me focused. Cause I'm like, Oh, yeah. this team's relying on me for a lot. It's like, it's a, it's a reminder. I think that like, I, I love the idea of people being able to like work from home or work remotely or like, you know, go backpacking or like go to a different part of the world and work remotely. I don't think I can do that for an extended period of time. I don't think I can, stay focused in on bar bend unless I'm in the office and physically present like a majority of the working year. Like I just, I just don't think that I'm someone who can, like I had this dream of going to the Canadian Rockies and working for a summer and I love visiting the Canadian Rockies and like I really hope to take a vacation there in the next year, but I, I don't think I can stay there for like three or four months and like, and be nearly as productive or as useful to my team. I just can't do that. Some people can some people are great at working remotely and I, I just, I can't, I can't, I'm just not as, I'm not at a hundred percent. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense though. I mean, you got to be immersed in it, right? When you're immersed in it, it's, it's just, it's easier to do your job. Like I think some people, especially in a, working with a lot of writers, I think yeah. some writers are actually better if you give them a little bit of freedom and if they yeah. can change up their environment with frequency, I think that actually inspires creativity and productivity from some people. Mm, interesting. Um, so I do think there's like the opposite side of the, of the spectrum there where it's like, actually that can be a real benefit. And if you mm. keep someone like in a particular place for too long, you'll actually see their productivity drop a bit. Right. Yeah. I was reading that as well about creativity. It's good to go out into nature to get that yeah. creative juices flowing. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, where, where's the best place we can all find you other than bar band? Like let's, uh, let's get everybody to check you out. Yeah, on Instagram, I'm just at David Thomas Tao. Uh, Tao is spelled T-A-O. At Twitter, uh, on Twitter, I'm at D underscore Tao. Those are the two best places to follow me. If you go to Barbend, you can find my social media, you know, on my author profile on Barbend. And then the Barbend podcast, barbend.com slash podcast, where I interview a lot of different people from the world of strength sports. If you're not a strength nerd, I promise you there's still something that you'll find interesting on the Barbend podcast. We talk to everyone from Olympians to researchers to coaches, to all sorts of interesting folks. And I think 
the, the hope is that if you go to the Barbit podcast page, you can find a recent podcast with something that is interesting to you, no matter what level or interest in strength that you have. Who's been your most impactful guest? I'm not going to say your favorite, but one that's impacted you the most. I talked to, this is actually the most recent one we released. I talked to a CrossFit Games athlete named Cole Sager. And I've talked to a lot of athletes, and he's been like, he's a very good CrossFit Games athlete. He's one of the best CrossFitters in the world. And I've talked to a lot of athletes, and I've talked to a lot of athletes when I was doing work in CrossFit, and obviously with your barbed. And Cole is the kind of person who I, I would like, if I were to sit down and talk to him again for an hour, we probably wouldn't mention the word CrossFit. We probably wouldn't mention lifting weights at all because he's someone who I find very much to be a kindred spirit and he's got all these different interests and his life is he has to balance those with focusing in on something and it was really cool to get insight into how one of the world's best at something someone who's truly elite and superlative of what they do in athletics what he how he puts on the blinders when he knows it's time to train and focus on CrossFit even though he's got 15 other interests completely outside of the fitness world so it was really, really cool to see his strategies for doing that because objectively he has to be very good at putting on those self blinders. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point with any of these athletes. When you got to train like that, you got to be so focused. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can't, you, 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 you can't, your mind can't be elsewhere. You're, you're not going to be at optimal if your mind is not in it right there with your body. Yeah. And so true. Well, bro, the one, the one staple question I always ask at the end when we're wrapping up is, uh, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm pausing because I want to I phrase this correctly. It's okay to hit a dead end. It's completely okay to hit a dead end. Sometimes what's not okay is is thinking you can you can dig through anything right you will hit those in life you're just going to hit a dead end or you just need to head the other direction or go on to something else completely and they're really hard to see but the first step is recognizing that they exist and they exist for everyone at some point in life mm. not everyone can do everything i hate to say it it's i know i'm, I'm it's like your preschool teachers lied to you or i'm lying to you or something right yeah. But like everyone hits a dead end at some yeah. point in life with something. And we have to recognize that. And they can be, that can be tough to recognize for a lot of people. Um, but it, it does happen to every single person. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come hang out, man, and being on the other end. Instead of having to interview everybody, you get to, <laughs> get to answer some questions. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, man. We'll have everything in the show notes for everybody to come check you out. I urge you guys to check out Bar Band, check out the podcast. And yeah, man, keep, keep killing it. I, I love it. I love your energy and you're doing great things. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, guys. Make sure you check out David. Go check out Bar Band. Follow him on uh, social media and go support his podcast. Go right now. Listen to it. He, he's interviewing some of the best of the best and he's uh, allowing everybody to stay on top of the ever-changing and ever-growing weightlifting and CrossFit space. So I appreciate you guys. I hope you have an amazing day. Leave us a review, subscribe, share it with a friend, whatever you can to grow this show. Every little, every person listening, you have the impact to help us grow this and change the world. So I appreciate you. Have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time. 
you just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.